If you want to see the full video interviews of this podcast, visit yahoonews.com or find us on social media at Yahoo News. I'm Zainab Selby. Welcome to the Through Her Eyes podcast, where I'll explore current news from a woman's perspective. We see the world through her truth, through her defiance, through her grit. This is Through Her Eyes. How do you navigate the tough walls of business and politics if you are a woman? Kali Fiorina has done just that. Kali Fiorina is a disruptor. She has no problem taking on the boys' club. I've been underestimated all my life, and I've competed with men all my life as well. In 2016, she was the only female to run against Donald Trump and 15 other male GOP candidates for the Republican nominee for president. We need a leader who will lead the resurgence of this great nation and unlock its potential once again. She was the CEO of Hewlett-Packard for six years and the first female to lead a Fortune 50 company. She began, as she puts it, completely unprepared for the success she would achieve. A law school dropout with a medieval history degree. But Carly shattered the glass ceiling and became a woman of many firsts. Join me as we explore business and politics through Carly Fiorina's eyes. Welcome to Through Her Eyes. Thank you so much. It's great to be with you. It's good to have you here. Let's talk about the current politics of President Trump, because you've been one of the few Republican critics of his presidency. Why do you think the Republican Party at large has been silent? So I certainly don't hold up President Trump as a leader. I don't think he is. I think he's an entertainer, and I think he's a politician. As an entertainer, he focuses on himself. A leader focuses on those they serve. And I disagree profoundly with how Trump does everything. But I think Republicans are focused on winning. And right now, Trump has taken hold of the Republican Party. Kali and the president have history. Their relationship, or lack thereof, came to a head in a now infamous presidential debate. Donald Trump said the following about you, quote, Look at that face. Would anyone vote for that? Can you imagine that, the face of our next president? Mr. Trump later said he was talking about your persona, not your appearance. Please feel free to respond what you think about his persona. I think women all over this country heard very clearly what Mr. Trump said. How do you rate his treatment of women? He's kind of a mystery to me, honestly. On the one hand, he's so routinely dismissive of women, the way he talks about women. And on the other hand, he's put a lot of women in really important jobs. The first woman CIA director, the first woman Homeland Security director. Those are kind of big deals. And so I think he views women as something to be used, which is a shame. On the other hand, I think he views people as something to be used. What I find so tragic is that in this country, the most diverse nation in the world, with arguably the most talent, therefore, in the world, that has come from all over the world, that the best we can do in politics is Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump for the highest office in the land? I will be the president. You could have done it. If you were an effective effective senator, you could have done it. That's why I have concluded the answer does not lie in Washington, D.C., and it does not lie in politics. 
There are record numbers of women in Congress, but most are Democrats, 106 in total. On the GOP side, only 21 women sit in the House and Senate. Why do you think not as many women are rising in the Republican Party? Because I think the Republican Party routinely dismisses and diminishes women, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember um, when the health care debate was going on and the Republican Party decided that they needed to put together a panel of experts within their party, politicians, to decide on their approach. Not one woman was included. Amazing. Amazing. If you look at the women senators in the Republican Party, they're pretty much discounted until their vote is needed. That's not okay. And so women look at that and they say, gee, maybe I don't matter in the Republican Party. I think that Democrats have politicized women in a way that's very unfortunate. It was Democratic women's organizations that called my candidacy an offense to women. And they called me an offense to women because they didn't agree with me. That's not right either. Mm -hmm. Women are half the nation. We're half the world. We're not going to agree all the time. In fact, we're going to disagree a lot. And that can't be a cause for some women to say, you're less than we are because you don't agree with our policies. There was no collusion with Russia. There was no obstruction and none whatsoever. And it was a complete and total exoneration. What should happen with the Mueller report? When you read it, it is incredibly sobering. So first of all, the scope, the intention, the impact of Russia's interference is truly alarming. Secondly, the report does not exonerate Trump. Third, he did not fully cooperate. And fourth, Mueller proceeded in a very precise, careful way with an incredibly high bar, criminal conduct. So what do I think should happen next? I believe, in addition to preventing continued uh, interference by the Russians, is how do we begin to rebalance the power of the legislative branch and the power of the executive branch? I hope Democrats will remember that principle, and I hope Republicans will understand there's something bigger at stake here than just one more election. And what do you think should happen to his presidency? Nancy Pelosi is very wise in this respect, I think. I don't think we should impeach a president for political reasons. For people who want him out of the White House, he has to be beaten. He has to be beaten fair and square in an election. As a former CEO, Carly is also concerned about the low numbers of women at the top of corporations. 20 years after you were Hewlett Packard's CEO, only 5% of Fortune 500 yes. companies are women. And that 5% is not because women don't have the potential or want to show it and give it to the world. It's partially because there are barriers to yes. women's success. How do you reconcile these issues? In this country, still, we haven't made very much progress. And the reason I think we haven't made much progress is because people like being, are more comfortable being with people like themselves. It's true. There's a and say, so yeah. if men 
are mostly in the power structure, it's more comfortable to be with people like them. Right now, I think businesses think diversity is a nice to do. Here's a scary fact. Business spends $8 billion a year on diversity mm -hmm. training. $8 billion a year. And yet we're not making any progress, which says to me they don't actually think it's a business imperative. But Kali has come under fire from progressive women's groups. She is largely against abortion, same-sex marriage, subsidized birth control, and government-mandated maternity leave. When it comes to strategies or policies about child care and things like that, you had reservations about providing such care as from a governmental level. So one of my concerns with government is that government is a big bureaucracy. We have loads of evidence that says that a big bureaucracy isn't always a very effective provider of anything, opportunity or even-handed policy. If we want more women in the workforce, then employers need to recognize that the playing field has to be truly level. And it's not. And that also involves how do you hire? How do you recruit? Who do you promote? All of those things matter hugely. I do want to ask you about reconciling the, the idea of freedom and women choices, including your policies and your ideas about abortion or uh, same-sex marriages. How do you address these discrepancies? Sometimes I find it in your own argument. I object to issues like abortion or gay marriage being decided at a national level by nine people when both of those issues were being decided on a more local basis. And I think that's where they should be decided. And the reason I think that is because over time, the closer decision-making is to people affected by those decisions, the more support there is for the ultimate decision. You've had a very rich career. Now you have a book that is different, that is not about politics, nor economy, nor business. Are you moving into Oprah's territory now? <laughs> the career of, of self-help and, and, and finding your own true north. Why this book and why now? Because I find that so many people feel helpless and hopeless and powerless and frustrated. And I know that all of us have more potential and we have more power than we realize to actually make things better. And I also wrote it because I've learned through my own life that leadership isn't about your position or your title or your wealth or your fame. It's about none of those things. It's about changing the order of things for the better. And each of us, all of us, have that capacity if we will unleash it and unlock it. And on that note, thank you very much for joining so Through Her Eyes. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Likewise. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Through Her Eyes. For more thought-provoking interviews, subscribe to our podcast. You can also watch the full video interviews on yahoonews.com.